I'm Chase, and you're listening to The Angry Millennial, and I don't know how I got here. I don't know why I'm in this room or what they just fed me, but you're listening to The Angry Millennial. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to The Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, who doesn't love really well-designed photography clothing? Check out clickgearclothing.com, a lifestyle for urban photographers, all Angry Millennial listeners can use coupon code ANGRYPHOTO to receive 20% off any order. And the first three people who sign up for our newsletter after the show will get a free $25 gift card. Now, guys, be sure to also check them out on Instagram at ClickGearClothingLTD. What's going on, AM Nation? And welcome to the Angry Millennial Show, where we chat with creatives and entrepreneurs about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, the ugly. Today, we have podcast host of The Intern, Allison Berenger. Allison, thank you for taking the time out today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Allison, being so new to podcasting, I can't uh-huh. help but be blown away with how well-produced the episodes are, with the music, the city noises, uh, listening to Google Maps, show uh-huh. which route you take on your bike. I mean, how do you approach launching this show? Um, so let's see, I think that, uh, startup, the, the Gimlet show mm-hmm. kind of, uh, informed some of the way I, I thought about it, right. It's like a documentation of a journey and of a process. So I think, um, to, to start, it was just gathering a lot of tape. Right. So, um, I don't know the, um, if you caught the most recent episode, but episode three starts with a trip to Ikea that I took. Nice. Um, Cause you just got a new uh, apartment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the newest one. I just, I was able to listen to like a few minutes because I wasn't, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to much, but I started listening to that. Yeah. And Jose, Jose's right. Like all the production, it sounded awesome. I was really surprised. Yeah. Episode two was great. You should listen to that one, Stevie. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, um, and yeah, so I have a lot of, I have hours and hours and hours of tape that I've collected over the past, um, couple months that I, that I've been here and some of it's like formal interviews like this, where I sit down and talk to someone. Some of it's just like casual conversations. And a lot of it is just tape of like being and existing in, in New York city. Um, and, and so, you know, I have all, I've had all this tape to work with and I wanted it to, to be more of a story and, you know, you get into it and have all the ambient noise to create scene. So, I mean, I, I I am trying to very much approach it from a story narrative perspective. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've never realized the category that you're in, like it's called, um, like personal journal section. Yeah. I kind of, um, just, arbitrarily picked that because none of the other uh, <laughs> categories seem to seem to fit what this was. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's like, you know, I think that podcasting, it's, it's just one, it's not like a genre, right? right. Like no, podcasting is just the medium. It's like yeah. photography or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and um, 
you know, like some things suit podcast suit the podcast medium best. And and I think a story like this that's so richly uh audio is is well told uh on a podcast. Yeah, for sure. I mean it definitely uh like when I started so when I noticed that and I was looking at it, I was like, huh. I was like, it yeah, that definitely fits because if you think about it, uh and I've read some of the reviews which any anything where you can leave reviews on the internet is a fucking cesspool, <laughs> like <laughs> like YouTube comments. But but one person's like, uh, "How entitled of a millennial you can be that people give a shit about your story." And yeah, I was just like dude, like yeah. you're you're in the fucking personal journal section of fucking iTunes. Like it's everyone talking about themselves. Hate to that's, break it to you, um, and then that's a great point. Two, um. <laughs> it's like it's you don't you're obviously missing the point. You know, that right, it's it's right. not so much a like a self proclamation of how cool you are. It's yeah, it's hey, look, everyone who's around our age, who's lived in a city and been in their twenties and just been broke and trying to figure it out, is in the exact same shoes you're in. Uh, so it's a very relatable, you know, kind of story, and um, and I think that's what a lot of people, why it resonates a lot of people, and why this this show is like overnight exploded. You know, I, yeah, I see you at yeah. the top of new and noteworthy every day. Um, you know, you guys have like over a hundred ratings already, three episodes in. Um, so one question I have is right now with with is it like a one woman show in terms of production, or is it like Beta Works handles a lot of those kind of aspects at the moment? Yeah. Um, so also before I answer that quick sure. story about the reviews. Um <laughs> You know, the first couple of reviews were absolutely my friends and coworkers that I was like, but "Hey, every, guys, everybody, like, yeah, everybody, you know. everybody missed that, yeah, yeah." And uh, you know, so that's the first you know dozen reviews, and then I did certainly like start to get reviews that I'm like, "This is not anyone I know," <laughs> and then that uh, that review that you're that you're talking about, where it's like this entitled person, no right. one gives a crap. Yeah. I I made the mistake of reading of opening the reviews one night before I was going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Which I will never do again. Like right. I think the only time I'm going to do that is like when I'm on the way to do something really happy and exciting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Never but, do it when you're in a vulnerable dark room by yourself. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the feedbacks, and uh, you know, I'm like, I'm so, so constantly cognizant of that. I don't want this to be just like totally self indulgent, and right. and I, I'm, I'm always. Uh, thinking about like, okay, how can this be relatable and whatnot? Um, but anyway, back to your, uh, your question about production. So it's, it's me producing it. Um, and the guy who hired me initially, James, he, James Cooper is our, uh, creative director and he's, he kind of came up with the idea, but it's, it's basically, you know, and he, he provides edits and like, you know, he'll listen to a cut and be like, oh, you know, include this, include that. But, by and large, I'm doing the all the production. Um, I hired a few at the beginning of December. This woman, Caitlin Prest, who produces a really great podcast called The Heart. And it's very much in this vein of storytelling. Nice. And it's about sex and relationships and love. And they do some fiction stuff. Um, and so I met her at a, a radio club meeting in New York. And was just like, hey, you know, and I knew I needed an editor, right? Like right. I, I have not done this before. And it's not just like a sit down interview kind of podcast. It's a, right. it's a story. Yeah, and it's all uh, on you. Yeah. 
Yeah. And like any, you know, you need, I needed an editor. And so she kind of, she came on. So we now meet, um, once a week for a few hours and she'll like listen to cuts or she'll listen to scripts. So like every episode, you know, there's maybe like 10 paper drafts that go through and then there's maybe like six, seven, eight audio cuts. So it's like very iterative and like a lot of drafts. And she is hugely helpful in she'll like listen and be like, Oh, you know, at two at minute two, you need, it's dragging too long. So cut that. Mm, So she's like, constantly giving feedback, um, the way that, you know, like an editor would give, uh, uh, a journalist at a paper edits, you know, like right. a, a, an editor in that, in that sense. But I'm, I'm, you know, the one in, in the, the trenches uh, right. doing all the, the <laughs> production in terms of sound edits and stuff. Well, that's good. That's good that you were, yeah. like you said, you were smart enough to know, uh, and it was funny when I started doing this, it was always an interview style format. Right. Right. And we started saying that we should do like, uh, short form 15 minute episodes on Thursdays where it's either just me or me and Stevie. And the first time I had to do one by myself, I didn't like, I'm sitting there going, I can fucking talk. I can, you know, I, I should be okay. Yeah. You can talk. It, it took, <laughs> you don't know how many takes it took to get yeah. me to have a coherent like thought right, for right. 10 minutes. That wasn't just rambling. Oh my God. It was so hard. Yeah. So people, yeah, people, you're smart that you realized this is a much different format than most others. So you needed that help and you seeked it out right away. So that, you know, that's pretty okay. neat. Um, I mean, as a millennial myself, I really enjoy listening to your, your questioning nature that many of our generation share. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a bit, like, is that, does that, did that always play into the thought process was the, like be inquisitive, be, you know, kind of upfront, you know, shake the cage a little bit, rock the boat a little bit, ask some uncomfortable questions. Um, mm-hmm. Was that always playing into it? And and did you journal a lot or blog previously to this kind of show? Um, yeah. So yeah, part all along the idea was that I would come in and kind of ask the naive, you know, maybe borderline like stupid questions <laughs> about the tech world, but questions that like, people on the inside maybe even haven't considered and then people on the outside are like actually curious about. Um, Mm -hmm. So in, it was funny yesterday I met someone who it was funny, like reached out to me on Twitter and he was in New York. So we met and got coffee. And the second, the second episode I asked the question, like where the hell is all this money coming from? Mm -hmm. Right. Like what, what? Um, I mean, overnight people can get a billion dollar evaluation like on. Right. Right. Um, And, and so this this guy I was talking to, he said, you know, it's funny, my co-founder and I just raised our our seed round, you know, like, um, and we listened to your episode maybe in like the week after we closed our first round and of, of fundraising. And he's like, before listening to your podcast, we had never asked the question, where is this money coming from? Like, right, it's coming from the VC, but like, where, where is that money coming from? Um so, and I mean, me personally, like I do not have a background in tech. My, my interest in tech is not in, um, the technology of it, but it's more about like, what does this mean for us? What are the implications? Right. Um, the big, the big ideas, right? Yeah. Much more of like a, you know, I was, I was a sociology major in college. So nice. I think that kind of, uh, that, that says it all. <laughs> I almost minored in that. I thought, and the same thing, I just like, thought it was very interesting in terms of yeah. like, people watching, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So did you find you like I said did you find yourself like blogging a lot beforehand like Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I wondered how you were the I'm sure they approached more than one person, you know, and and to think you got it 
and we'll go into like the stuff you did beforehand. But um, but I was just wondering right. if that played into it at all. You know, so what what led in in the first episode, I talk about an email I got from a radio producer. So last fall, I did a documentary studies program called the Salt Institute, and it has actually since shut down. It's very sad because there's mm. a lot of demand for um, like short, intensive storytelling uh, courses. Um, but I actually did writing and multimedia there. Mm. Um, and so kind of, I think so much of what I've brought to the the radio and audio editing is what I learned from um, the video multimedia stuff, like learned how to lay down an audio track and an right. audio story and mm-hmm. then il- like illustrate it with video. Um, but, you know, prior to that, I've always enjoyed writing, but I don't have, have like a, a writing background. I think when I, so I taught in Thailand for a year and I tried to keep a blog and maybe did like five posts. And then I was like, I would, I would rather be out like doing, right. exploring things than like writing about what I did yesterday. Yeah. Um, but Instead it's of sitting in front of a computer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like trying to get internet access somewhere. Um, <laughs> but, but what's been huge, what's been a huge part of my process with this podcast, right? So like episode one is you don't know, like, I don't know if I'm going to get the job yet, but right. I produced, I produced that. I read my narration right. more recently. Um, but to get into that, that state of mind that I was at, I, I've been journaling from like day one. I have this little kind of diary that every night I like write reflections in it. Mm-hmm. So in, in getting into that, that spirit of like putting myself back to where I collected the tape, when I had the conversation with my grandfather, I was like going back and reading my journal and in my journal, it's like, Am I going to get this job? You know, you know all this stuff. So, journal like doing, keeping a personal journal of this intern experience has helped me in the production and writing process. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, and and like you said, I mean, that was something that subconsciously it, it did kind of occur to me. Was I'm sitting here going, how is she already making an episode about getting the job if she's already talking about? You know, like it, it kind of like resonated a little bit. But yeah, I, I kind of figured like you just said that you were just reliving those feelings in front of a microphone, you know, maybe that week right. later. Or yeah. And it's a, um, I talked to Caitlin, the, the radio editor, you know, it's like, do we address that? Like, clearly yeah. I got the job if I'm producing, you know, right. and, and to a certain extent, you just have to kind of let the audience, it's, it's a story, right. Yeah, and like yeah, you yeah. tell stories in, in the past tense. And, and I think that most people just like accept it for what it is. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, even, and it's funny. Cause like, I think that, right. I'm, I'm, saying this podcast, it's out, you're listening to it. But I think that most people when they're listening, they're like, oh my gosh, like, is she going to get the job? I think there is some like still some tension in there and people are wondering what's next. Um, I had someone tweeted at me like, I really hope they don't fire you before the next episode comes out. Or like, I really hope you got the job, you know? Um, <laughs> like, oh, you simpleton. You're adorable. <laughs> so that's funny. I mean, you sit there and say, uh, you know, could you be fired? I mean, but at the same time, that I guess is a very, very honest question where you sit there and say, okay, is the format of this, you're journaling your two, three, whatever, how many month experience as an intern? And is it, is it to say at three months, this is the entire scope of the experiment? Or do they say at the end of that three months, hey, Allison, we're going to make you an offer to continue this on and, and see where it goes, you know? And Maybe I'm, right. and, maybe I'm putting right. you on the spot with that question, but. No, I mean, it's it's true. And actually the next episode is going to kind of go into that question because, I mean, tomorrow, it is encouraging the success that, that the podcast has had so far. But right. like tomorrow they could 
honestly, truly be like, you know, we don't, this is not the direction we want to go in. Like, right. great. We had three episodes done. It, it is, I truly, it is truly an experiment and it continues to be an experiment. And, um, the ways in which is an, ex- you know, it has like checked off that first box. Like, okay, we got episode one out, like right. great. Yeah. But, um, it's con- needs to continue to prove it's, it's worth and it's value. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I feel that pressure pressure like every day, you know. <laughs> so, I know you mentioned um, like the production behind it. So, again, the production is amazing and, and they're so short, which I think is is yeah. great because uh, I personally, the ones I listen to and, and, and ours are very long form. You know, they're always an hour or more. Um, so, I always wondered, have you guys ever thought about making longer ones or is it just a logistics that would make it more work than is probably reasonable? Right. I mean, you think about um, I th- like a program like This American Life, right? Mm-hmm. Like that to me, that's kind of the the gold standard for this right. kind this kind of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and for for an hour long segment, they have a dozen people working on it. They've worked on it for months. Like to yeah. me, I'd much rather strive for um, short and qual- good than long quality, and shitty quality. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah, short and good rather than long and shitty. And <laughs> I I had not produced an hour long radio piece in the style that I have in, in this documentary narrative right. style, I cannot do that. Do you think that short form kind of lends itself well to the audience that you're reaching more so than long form too? Yeah. Yeah. Feels, I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think about my listening habits and stuff and it's like the time that I get ready for work in the morning or yeah. um, like on my, on my bike ride into work. And I think that I do, I do think that 20 minutes is a, is a really great um, manageable size of size of audio right. yeah so yeah. we're fucking up <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, no, there's like, lots of people that have good ones that just keep going on and it's the same thing it's a different format it's exactly yeah, right, right and, yeah. and, I, and, and i think that right like it's not the same thing like this podcast that you guys have and this podcast that i have it's like they're just different they're totally different things they record mm-hmm. the the purpose of yours is different so it requires yeah, yeah. a different form um it's like it's like comparing a still photo to video it's like different yeah. purposes i mean right right for sure yeah. So yeah. T- tell us a bit about your humanitarian work. Um, you know, I know you mentioned teaching in Thailand and stuff like that, but I also know you've been quite a few places. Yeah. So um, let's see. Uh, so back in college, I was very fortunate to do two internships abroad. The first one after my sophomore year was in India. So I was working wow. at an orphanage outside of Delhi and that kind of like really got me interested in in that kind of work and just wow, like being abroad like that. And I mean, we were, we were outside of Delhi. I was with one other student. Uh, um, and oh man, I just like really caught, really, really caught the bug. Right. And then the following summer I did a teaching internship in South Africa. So leading up to my senior year, I was like, all right, thinking about what I want to do. And, um, I was like, I, I want to go abroad. And, right. uh, there's this great program. It's called Princeton in Asia and they've been sending, recent graduates over to Asia since like the turn of the century, you know, sending kids over to China in boats like before, you know, like yeah. you, before, you left before not cool. talking to your family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they kidnap you in the night. Yeah. They put a bag over your head. Next thing you know, you're in India. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, then went over to Thailand and taught and it was just a really, really, really incredible experience. I think that if I could have like picked up my family and friends um, from home and brought them to Thailand, I would have never come back because it's wow. just that magical of a place. Um, 
and had a really wonderful experience teaching. So I, I decided to come back because of the friends and family that I missed. Um, and taught for a year in New York City. I taught 10th grade English in the Bronx, mm -hmm. which was an equally rewarding and amazing experience, but could not have been more different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then got to the end of the year. Um, and at the same time, I was working on a nonprofit that one of my friends started in college. It's called, and she was the friend that I did the internship with in, mm -hmm. in India. And it's called Passand. And it's um, uh, kind of like a health education for adolescents. It started with just girls, but we've ex since expanded to adolescents in India. So the focus is on puberty and menstruation and menstrual hygiene, sexual assault, um, talking about that, like gender equality, all those things. Right. Um, and so I had been working on that when I was teaching. Like it was something we would do on nights and weekends. And then when I finished, so I was nearing the end of my year teaching and I thought to myself like, all right, I love teaching. It's rewarding. It's challenging. Like I could be really happy doing this for the rest of my life. But I also thought like, you know what, there's other things out there I want to try. Mm -hmm. So um, it worked out well that I, um, um, it worked out well that right at that same time, we're like, all right, we need to go to India and test this idea because it's just been an idea. We had um, some funding. Another girl on the team was able to take some time off of work. So um, this other woman, Rebecca, and I went over to India and we had um, one contact in Bangalore and we had our curriculum, which was like lesson plans and the ideas that like we partner with schools and um, train teachers then to deliver this these these lessons. So we like went over like, all right, we need to meet more people, expand our network to schools, and we need to test our curriculum. And in the two months two months that we were there, we were able to do that. And then I came back, um, and That's then awesome. um, it's still up and running. Uh, we've like hired a team in India, um, and we're doing really really well. Um, so I'm I, I'm not as involved now. Um, because I have this full-time job, <laughs> but it still continues to be like a huge passion of mine. Um, so came back to the States and I did the, the SALT storytelling documentary studies program I was telling you about. And it was like by the end of it, it's like, you know, we're, we're always like trying to figure out what we want to do for the rest right. of our lives, what we want to commit our lives to. Like what is the thing that we want to do? And I've just found like, all right, you know, now I like teaching. I like this, you know, um, international work uh, with women's health. And now I also think I want to do documentary storytelling. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it was just, it's not that I was able to pick one. It was just like, oh, now, geez, now I like all of these things. Now right. what the hell do I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that kind of, I, then I moved back to the city um, and was like, all right, I'm going to get into writing, documentary film. And and it was a struggle. I like had two internships where I wasn't paid. Um and, you know, working in an office job twice a week to make money. And it was really, it was hard and frustrating, right. especially feeling like, oh, I just left this profession that I, you know, has a, has a very clear path. Um, and then I got an email as, as episode, as the story in episode one will tell you, I got an email from a radio producer that said, has anyone moved to the city and is looking for something to do? If so, get in touch. And he just like had emailed, last emailed this out mm -hmm. to everyone. And I was like, that's me. Yeah, so got yeah, yeah. in touch and um, came in and met James, the creative director here at Betaworks. And, you know, it's funny, like, I don't even know if he, I didn't give him a resume. I don't, I don't know how he knew anything about me. I'm assuming maybe he looked me up on LinkedIn. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he just kind of told me the idea and I produced like a very short kind of minute and a half segment just to kind of show him what give, I could give, do. Give him a taste. Yeah. Give it's him a like, taste. It's yeah. like a typical job application now. It's just, 
it happens so much differently than it used to. You yeah. just yeah. fall into you it. Figure, it's like people always ask, like, "What have you made? What have you done?" You know what I mean? And, yeah. And if you on like on paper, yeah, you could put all that stuff on there. But just meeting you and saying, "Well, I've done this. I started a nonprofit in India. I've done all this, and oh, I'm this age." You did more than most people do in fifty years, so it's like yeah. this person has tenacity and grit and all the yeah. the kind of qualities that you look for. That yeah, you know. And then that that question, like, so would you go to school? It's always last now, and it yeah. just yeah. seems so much less important. I mean, if yeah. you think about sure. it, I was thinking about that. You just said, "I'm 32." Stevie's 35. We're, no, I'm not. Yeah, right. I'm like, yeah, I'm like 20, 28. <laughs> Sure. So we're we're still trying to figure it out. A liar. <laughs> we're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> and I never understood how the college model in 2015 is still at 19 years old. You have to ask someone, so what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Right, right. It's it flawed. Makes no sense. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's completely it's, flawed. I mean, if you just look at the news, look at the politicians, look at the political system and everything going on, it's changing. Yeah. Like it's it's so weird, but just observing everything that's going on around you. It's not just that one thing. It's like everything's affecting the other thing. And it's it's just not the same. And it's it's gonna be really interesting to see where it is in the next few years. Especially right. after especially after this year with, you know, whoever wins takes that, over. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's, you know, our, our parents' generation was, you know, they had one job, like my dad mm-hmm. worked at the same company his, yeah. his whole career. Um, and right. And I think like college is still set up for that model of like leaving yeah. college and then like going yeah. to do one thing, but that's yep. changed. And I, I don't know that, um, colleges have adapted to reflect, um, all nope. the different things that, that Not our yet. generation is going to do. Yeah. Cause you think about it, they've been the same oh. for like two, 300 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's going to yeah. take more than a decade. You know, for them to go, oh, maybe we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. I should. Yeah. You know, I think change. I think the answer is like internships. I mean, one of my friends, yeah. um, she went to Northwestern, and they do like they always do work studies. Like everyone, that's just mm-hmm. part of your classes. And I, I, and to me, the most um, transformative experiences in college were the two summers I went abroad and like experienced new things. And I think that, like, hopefully, I think that's a great model. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're just colleges don't adapt. There's like classes or certain aspects of certain things in them. But when you look at it, colleges themselves and the whole educational, the higher education form, it's just, it's not adapting. It's not progressing like everything else around it. So that basic, that fundamental thing of going for four years, leaving, getting an internship or whatever, and then you know, hopefully getting that full-time position, it's fake. I don't know. Right. It's not, it's not viable. And I think they're starting to notice. I mean, that's why now, I mean, look at like online schools that used to be a joke. Yeah. They were yeah. worse in like community college and now they're, they're viable, you know, like they're, mm-hmm. they're start like uh what's that one? Southern New Hampshire university or something like that. Or, and, and it's, yeah, they're always some like obscure, like, Name. Southern yeah. Boston yeah. County. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question for someone like you, yeah. uh, people I've known like that who 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 just always are up for whatever at any moment. Do you ever feel like a lease is kind of like a noose? Like a lease on an apartment? Yeah. Um, you know i I have not lived in the same place for more than nine months since I left. Um my home as an wow. 18 year old. Wow. Um, 
that's almost literally like you're born again every time you move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have not, I've actually, I've not lived anywhere for a year, for a full year. Wow. Yeah. Since, so that, since high so school. Guess, so, so, so yeah. in fact, I think that I am, you know, after being abroad and like traveling and being in different places, I actually feel it, it's, it's a, um, it feels really good. And I talk about this in the first episode yeah. or first or second episode, like to know, like, I'm going to be here for a whole year. And like a year seems like so long. And I think that if I was ever somewhere for two years, I'd be like, all right, here, like yeah, what's the next yeah, place? But yeah. um, I'm very, it's very nice to like have my own room and I'm like decorating it. Like for the, <laughs> It's crazy. Like, you know, for the first couple, and you know, my, my one roommate, she moved in and it was like day one, like all her pictures were up. She had all of her furniture and it took me like probably two or three months to put together my room. And part, part of it was like, not having enough money, like get a bit, like right. I got a mattress, but I didn't get a dresser, you know, like, right. and, you know, not having time or, or, um, but I think that, that, that part of it was maybe just feeling like, am I, is this true? Am I going to be here? Should I put up shelves? <laughs> like I just put up yeah. shelves in my room. Um, that's funny. So I, I'm actually at a, at a, a phase in my life where I feel like, feels great to have a lease because yeah. I'm not, you know, <laughs> right. And like you said, I, I had one time, I had a year where I literally just, and I didn't go anywhere cool. I went to Barcelona in college, but this is after that. I was living in Philadelphia and for a year I bounced around and lived out of, honestly, out of a, a bag. And mm-hmm. I had yeah. I had a mattress on the floor. I had my Pelican cases with all my camera gear and a bag. And wait, a stool. My laptop was on to watch Netflix and, and movies. <laughs> And people would come over and it looked like I was in the run from the KGB. It was so uh-huh. fucking, sh- it was so shady. I looked like Jason Bourne, you know, like I probably slept with a gun under my pillow. And uh-huh. and um, it was the same thing. Like when I finally got an apartment after that, I, I kind of valued it that much more. Right. And the right. same way, I took a little while to decorate it. But when I did, it, yeah, it, it was like, hey, this is kind of mine, you know? And, yeah. and you're not going to die there. But at the same time, like <laughs> that one year, like you said, is feels good. You can start to get a little more comfortable. Yeah. And, um, you know, because I, I know friends of mine who they travel like all the time, doing road yeah. trips for photography and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like on the road for months at a time and come home and be like, all right, I'm done. And, not even kidding. I think weeks pass by and they're like, all right, I got the itch again. Like they just can't sit still. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I always ask the people who travel a lot and because it's interesting and everyone's different. Right. When I, meet, when I meet people who've never lived, like never went outside of their county or state. Yeah. Their whole lives. Yeah. I, I, I not to you should, judge. You should I just, trust those people. No, I just, I just stare at them. I'm like, what are you? You know, like you've never left. Aren't you curious? There's a lot of things out there. Within yeah. a, a two-hour drive. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, like saying whole, go to Iceland. It's like the whole state of Texas, really. <laughs> Texas takes you five fucking days to drive across. I mean, that place is pretty big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, and there there is so much yet to see. Um, and even in, I talk about this a little bit in the third episode. So it's kind of about Twitter and, you know, in a place like New York, there's so much possibility, right? Like you could go anywhere, you can eat food from any country in the world. Mm -hmm. And yet like so often we just find ourselves into our own routine. And, um, you know, I think I've maybe been up into the Bronx once or twice since, you know, (laughs) I was there, I went there every day when I lived here before, but now that I live in Brooklyn, I've been there a handful of times, you know, and it's like, 
you know, there, there is so much out there and yet we, it's, it's easy to get into your, your own oh, routine. Sure. And, like yeah. you said, especially it's, in New York. Yeah. So that's a, it's a natural thing right. to hear it here. It's the Philly bubble. It's like when you live in South Philly, you just end up staying there or like Fishtown. It's, it's just that right. bubble everyone gets into. It's like you find your place, you find your favorite spots and you you end up just settling in really yeah. and forgetting about I everything mean, out. I've, I've met people, this one guy in Manhattan and he was like a, a really smart art guy, you know? And, yeah. and, and I'm sitting there going, Oh, you ever going to this place in Brooklyn? And he's like, he just literally like scoffed and he's like, Oh no, no honey. Uh, I'm a, I stick to my burrow. And that's literally just like, he was like, <laughs> laughing, <laughs> but he wasn't kidding. He's like, Manhattan's got everything you could want. Why would I want to go anywhere else? I'm like, oh man, I should I should have a chat with him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it's yeah, it's scary how many people feel that way. And again, again in New York, it's understandable. You still get I'm terrified so when I realize I haven't left in a while. Like it yeah. freaks me out, man. Yeah, can't do it. <laughs> so I know you said you know you've been an intern a few times, and, yeah. and I, I've been one a few times too throughout my twenties and. And I would say a few or no, wait, like maybe most echoed similar sentiments on like yeah. free slave labor, you know, yeah. and, and you can't help but but wonder, is it is it, you know, useful in life? It is useful in life to have those experiences, you know, both the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. You find out what you like, you find out what you don't like mm-hmm. um, and you pivot from all of that. I mean, have you noticed all your experiences have been more meaningful or are they more like on the jaded side to the point where you're just scared shitless the whole time? With uh, jaded in terms of internships, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think that I was pretty apprehensive coming into this based on my right. previous internship experiences. Yeah. Um, so far, it's been great. I mean, I think that here I'm treated as like I'm not treated like an intern. Um, yeah. My ideas are valued, and and I have creative freedom um, and all that. Um, yeah, you know, I think that. I mean, certainly it was pretty frustrating to work for free. And, you know, I think that there's this, um, in all industries, the sense like as a young person, if some especially kind of like well-established company hires you, they are honoring you like, or you're, you were, you're honored to, to, to be there. Like it's enough that you get to work for them. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's like, wait, I'm providing, I'm providing value to this company. You're making money because of me. Um, And, uh, but I mean, so far, so far, this has been great. One, th- one thing that I think a lot about with internships, um, yeah. And a lot of people who have reached out, like, like, are you going to talk about internships and, and what they mean and the pay and, and all that. Um, and another thing that is on my mind a lot is like di- diversity. And, you know, you look at public radio, what's the profile? It's male, it's white tech, male, white. Um, and I mean, a lot of industries look like that and, a lot of industries interning is the way to get in and working for free. But when the like the structure for these industries is set up such that to get a foot in the door, you need to work for free. Um, you're cutting out a, a lot of people who, you know, aren't able to do that. They don't have the financial means. They don't have like historical wealth in their family to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's on my mind a lot. And to me, that's like the bigger structural problem with unpaid internships or very low paying internships. Right. Cause you sit there and say like, uh, I'm comfortable with the fact that nothing's guaranteed. I'm comfortable with the fact that I will be shoveling shit and doing things that nobody else wants to do. <laughs> but at the same time, I'd like to know my rent's paid and right. you know, and that's a very, I would think a very small ask 
Um, but yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? Like you, any company, they they look, look at like a business and, and you got to cut costs in every way you can and look at the bottom line. And in some sense, you can't fault them for that. But again, just like just like a traditional college, it's it's something's got to change. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah. my brother yeah. used to work at AOL mm-hmm. and I tried to get an internship there for years before it got bought. This is years ago, but um, they they were similar in the sense that the interns there weren't just college kids. Like, I was going for an intern in the photo editor, like a photo mm-hmm. department, and the person they had there was an ex FBI agent. <laughs> like, <laughs> like hearing that, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, yeah, we yeah. don't just like take anybody. Like, our right. internships are pretty big deal. I was like, <laughs> "I've wow. never been an intern. I've just realized I've never interned anywhere." Wow. Uh, well, <laughs> if you're good at something, never do it for free. Oh my God! He's, pu- he's pulling uh, props. I was, I was waiting for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that queued up. I was going to say he had that one queued up for for a minute for sure. I, I did. <laughs> was that was that the Joker? Yes. yes. Rest in peace, Heath Ledger. Seriously, he was an amazing Joker. But so, no, I've ne- never had one, but. Yeah, I th- I would say, but at the same time, you've had shitty jobs, right? You've had shitty jobs where, yeah, maybe but got treated the, like one in a sense. You know what I mean? The shitty jobs I had were never on the path to like leading up to something better within that organization. Mm-hmm. They were more just placeholders for the outside world that I wanted right. to be in. I don't know. Right. But, right. Right. So, uh, Allison, I know you said um, that already you've kind of got an idea of what you think at this point would be like a perfect career. So, so let me ask you, is it like a mix of humanitarian work and tech like you spoke about in the show? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you still kind of feeling it out and maybe a, 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 because of this, a, a future in broadcast or radio would be something? Yeah, it's like, it's like Tony Stark. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't really feel like I don't have a good answer for that. I, hey, I feel like I'm just fine. in the same place. Yeah. Um, what I ha- And I feel very, very privileged to be able to say this, but like so far for the most part, you know, um, all, the jobs that I've worked have been like very rewarding and I, I've enjoyed my work. Like even, you know, teaching when it was hard, like I still woke up really excited to go to work. And I've um, by and large been very lucky to um, – always to, to feel that the majority of the time. So I think mm-hmm. that like, because I've been very, very spoiled in the sense, um, mm-hmm. I think that like my, you know, my ideal job, like I'm, it's, it's kind of a, a, a requirement for, for me, um, right. to enjoy what I do and feel fulfilled. So I think like, I mean, women's health is definitely a passion of mine. Um, I'm definitely, it's funny. I like, you know, I'm so much an outsider to the tech world and I would just kind of, to be totally honest, do like some internal eye rolls with, you know, when I first got here, (laughs) but it's the more I learn, the more interested I am about, you know, and I also came into podcasting more like from the creative storytelling side. Like that's what to me is interesting, you know, that you tell a a very specific story and yet everyone can relate to it. Um, And, but I've become very interested in the, the business side of podcasting and Mm -hmm. have been learning more and more about that. Um, so the more I learn, the more I'm I'm interested. In, maybe that'll maybe that'll be a topic on. on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, education. I love teaching. I, I 
I don't, I have a, I do not have an answer for that question. <laughs> the jury's out, but yeah. And like, I'm, right. I'm loving radio more and more. Um, I definitely don't think that I can be the main character in my stories for, for very, for <laughs> forever. Like right. <laughs> there, there will not be like 10, uh, 10 seasons of me as the main character. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like Yeah, exactly. You could run your own intern minion army. <laughs> yeah, you could be like, uh, what's her name on Sex in the City? It's very narrative. I don't know. What the mm-hmm. Is that her name? Yeah. I don't know. The, the one character? who's like, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know. You mean the actress? What's her name? Well, the main character, whatever it is. I think it's Carrie. Carrie Bradshaw. I don't know. There you go. Yeah. Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah. She does it a lot of it's like narration, right? Yeah, it is all from her perspective. But she's a fictional character. This is me and my real life. <laughs> well, relating it to that, you could be like the narrator to like new interns coming into the company. Right. But I think that what's the story what makes going. it most interesting is that like I'm telling my own story. Right. I can't tell someone well, yeah. else's. I'm just throwing ideas out there. <laughs> We're just spitballing. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think what you're talking about is a very another very natural progression where it's yeah. okay. You go from being the talent to going on the other side of the table eventually. Like most actors become directors or producers. Um, yeah. You know, most writers might even become actors and vice versa. Um, that I could I could easily, if you keep this up, you amass in this knowledge where you could suddenly be a producer who helps people make similar shows or um, starting a network where everyone it's like the journal network where everyone's on there you know journaling their experiences but in a very authentic way i mean imagine imagine doing a very similar thing uh both of our shows are very millennial uh let's just say targeted at the mm-hmm. same time, we don't talk. Everyone always says, you know, when they're approached to be a guest, oh, I'm not a millennial. It's like, no, 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 no. Right. That's me. I'm the angry one. This is fine. Uh, you guys are anyone, you know, Gen Xers, Gen Yers, Babe Boomers, even. Right. Um, it's just, I just called it that just to be catchy, but also, yeah, about asking certain questions that our generation gives a shit about, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah. But I could imagine, I would love to hear the same thing from like a baby boomer yeah a baby boomer doing a similar thing going i hate my fucking iphone i can't get it to work or you know whatever i mean uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know my mom recently is on facebook and yeah. it's so funny how quickly because she's friends with other baby boomers how jaded she is like she was telling me how do i block someone on facebook and i go well who do you want to block is someone like who's giving you shit like are you getting like you know freaking uh uh like like uh bullied and she goes no 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 no. it's um you know and she'll drop like a, a family member's name and be like they keep posting these stupid chain letter things and like copy and paste if you agree and and that's all I ever see. That's and the worst. I know. So and I'm, family members seem to always find those chain emails. And it's like your family members find the worst, most annoying ones. Yeah. Your yeah. friends don't. Just family. Yeah. yeah. And you sit there and go, fuck, like, I don't want to block you. But at the same time, you're really bringing <laughs> me down, you know? And imagine as <laughs> someone who's at that age where all of her friends and other family members are in this similar generation that's all her Facebook feed is, is like that kind of shit. And like, you know, humanitarian dog things and kids with cancer. And, and she's like, quickly, I hate being on Facebook. This is like three uh-huh. months in. She's, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. You know? Yeah. 
that at yeah. first she was like wide-eyed. Oh my God, I saw my friend I haven't seen since high school and we got to catch up. And then uh-huh. three months later, she's like, I want to fucking quit my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I think it'd be wild, you know, to, to, to have a similar thing saying the intern. I mean, What's that movie recently? I liked it a lot because I'm a, I'm a sucker for De Niro. But, uh, <laughs> but The Intern. Dude, that was yeah. good. I'm an Anne Hathaway yeah. fan. No lie. I haven't I love, seen yeah, it yet. I need to. Dude, I you have to. I know. I know. So it's a similar thing. It's a babe boomer in an internship. But a lot of the things that that, that generation is is the same as like my father even. You know, hardworking. Right. Retirement for them is not fun. You know, it's it's it's, right. it's jarring, you know. Um that he ended up doing it just to stay busy. So I think you know, that'd be interesting to get people's take on that. Yeah. I think I, think yeah. I just came up with your next show. You had to produce. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. it. So tell me, uh, you've taken a lot of risks. Yeah. You know, you, you've, you've gone to all these foreign countries with big goals and knowing one single person, but what would you say is the biggest risk you've taken in your career thus far? Biggest risk I've taken. Hmm. I feel like I feel like the biggest risk was deciding to leave teaching um mm-hmm. and yeah. not know where I was going next. Right. Um right like at the end of the end of the year teaching in the Bronx cuz at the, I I wasn't um like a, a classroom teacher, I was working for a nonprofit. So I didn't have like a teaching degree um, or a master's or a certification, but I worked on a team of teachers. So it was like four of us teaching assistants that were matched with an in-classroom teacher. So like the mm-hmm. kind of the progression is like, you can go and do that for a year, kind of like risk-free, I guess. Right. Is the, like you, you don't need to commit to like a two or three year master's track. Um, but it was like after that year, it was either – commit, like start a master's, get your teacher certification and like have this as your career or like go down the unknown path. So I feel like that was the, the juncture at which, uh, I, I took the the most risk, I guess, cause I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, and you look at like what we're all doing now. I mean, me and Stevie are photographers primarily. Yeah. And now we're doing a lot more than podcast and, and in a lot of the creative arts, I mean, there, there is no path, you know, it, it there isn't, like say a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer. And I think a lot of times those are where a lot of us struggle is that we don't have that. Let's just say those, those measuring points to say, Hey, I'm doing good. I made this benchmark in my career or, or I'm halfway there because I know I need to get to the, you know, X next, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So we're very much just kind of floating around hoping we get all this shit, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And trying to build confidence at the same time, you know? Right. Yeah. I think that's interesting what you said about like benchmarks. Like I have one of my good friends from home, just, uh, she's going to be a vet in a couple months and just passed her board Mm -hmm. exams and like, whoa, like what a crazy, incredible accomplishment. And, um, other friends in med school who are like, you know, or become lawyers and, you know, there are these things like these benchmarks that you have. Um, and it's so incredible that they have, they have that, that figured out. Um, but it's harder when you bounce around. And there's not these like benchmarks for right. okay, check. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you're sitting here going, Hey, I got a bed last month. That was a big plus <laughs> for me. I finally went to IKEA and got that's that's a benchmark. Second. I'll take yeah. it. I'll yeah. 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 It. But then what's funny is a lot of times we we do it ourselves where we we don't realize the the real 
accomplishments we've had, you know, small victories and sometimes big victories. I'm sure you ask any of those friends about you and they'll say, oh, my God, what I'm doing? Bullshit. How about Allison? She started a freaking nonprofit in India, for Christ's sake. Like, that's a big fucking deal. I just read a bunch of books and took a test, you know. But again, we just always kind of outside looking in. We're always like, eh, no, eh. You know, like we don't ever give ourselves yeah. enough credit. Yeah. So yeah. what's what would be your biggest fear creatively? Um, my biggest fear. I mean, I think that that the the comment that we talked about before that that this is just like self indulgent and because mm-hmm. um, I really, <laughs> it's funny in the in the beginning when I first started working here and I would explain this to people and I'd be like, so it's like kind of about you know coming into the tech world and kind of cool stuff that's going on in tech, but also like being a young person and people be like, oh, so it's like about you. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, it's it's not about it's not about me. Like it's, and I'm just like, okay, I guess this is kind of about me. But I'm like, I continue to be very uncomfortable with that idea. Um, so I just, I like, I really hope that people listening can relate, and that it's, um, and that I can maybe like broach some some bigger issues because I think like that's that's the cool thing about like a personal narrative, right? Like, um, there's so many topics to explore, and I think that like. Um, personal narrative can be a great way in. And so instead of like, you know, in the second episode, it's not just like, let's interview a bunch of people about like where the money comes from. It's like comes from a story and like, and it's personal. So even people who don't necessarily care about where VC money comes from, or they didn't think they care, suddenly care. And suddenly Mm -hmm. they're, they're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I I learned something. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like you said, it's the fact that, it's about you isn't the at all the point your your viewpoint is just a vehicle that gets to these big questions that you're asking you know and 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 it's i mean i could look at it like you are an investigatory journalist who's (laughs) just journaling her experience you know what i mean yeah, I would. I wouldn't go that far, but I'll. Uh... <laughs> so I think uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna go even deeper. Right? Oh man! Everyone's, oh man! Second, we're going second level deep. Um, and I think I think I know this this answer, but I, again, I'll just ask: What would you think would be your, your most meaningful moment that you've had thus far? And it could be the whole India trip and or Thailand, mm. but you tell me. Oh, that's a, I saw, I saw this question in the, in the, in the questions you sent over mm-hmm. and I tried to think of an answer and I kind of, still nothing. <laughs> love it. Look, give me, give me a second. The most sure. meaningful, meaningful moment. Oh, that's so hard. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you a moment from just yesterday. Um, wow. I'm not sure. You went deep most, 24 hours in. All right. Most <laughs> meaningful. Um, so someone, someone tweeted, tweeted at me. Um, after listening to this most recent episode and wait, let me see if I can find it real quick. Oh, here we go. Um, by the way, while you're looking for that, I'll tell you no. that I, I love when people, uh, struggle with the, I, well, I, I mean, like grammar major, the, uh, verbiage of tweeting and they go, Oh, I don't, I don't even twit. Yeah. No, you are a twit. You just don't tweet. You know, like, like it's, it's called yeah. tweet. We're just not called tweeter. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so th- this this um, <laughs> warmed my heart. So someone tweeted at me mm-hmm. um, at Albie Tweeten 
35-year-old married with children, Midwest factory worker here. Just wanted to say I enjoy the podcast. Wish you luck. You reach all types. Wow. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know what, you know what's funny? That, 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 uh, that honestly reminds me of this guy, without a doubt, uh, takes the cake for the biggest fan we've had thus far of the show. And it's really funny how he came across it. He is a lifelong corporate America guy. He works mm-hmm. for he works for HP. Mm-hmm. Ooh. In in IT. So he's he's got the, you know, the angst is there. The angst is real. Uh, he's in that cubicle prison. Yeah, yeah. And uh he came across the show because one of the early people we had on, Corin Prescott. Uh, was a photographer who at one point wanted to save up money to her trip. So he worked doing data entry at HP for a year and he fucking hated it. And mm-hmm. oddly enough, the person who was his boss at that time was this guy and his name is Don. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And when I tell you that he reached out like within the first few episodes and said, dude, I fucking love your show. Yeah. It's like, And he said the same exact thing. I'm a, I guess he's a Gen Y He's like in his 40s, right? Yeah. He's like, I am not a creative person. I work a boring corporate job. Right. Uh, the only connection I have is that I was Corbin's boss. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's so many things I take away from every episode. And I was like, right. dude, that's that's awesome. Thank you. You know, and and we and we literally that opened up the whole conversation. Now we talk on the phone. Uh, at Christmas, I sent him a I sent him a free T shirt just as a thank you, you know, uh-huh. millennial T shirt, and said thanks for being the the best supportive fan of the show, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and and again, he's not he's not a photographer, he's not a creative type, you know. He he just says, you know, I have a lot of respect for that kind of stuff because I don't know anything about it, you know. Yeah. Like, that wasn't my life, mm-hmm. right? And you know, and it's it's like you said, it's it's interesting how you can bridge a lot of, um generations and a lot of cultural barriers through something that most people would think is, is stupid. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Yeah. All right. So this question lately, uh, it's like a sub question. The last one has gotten some, not funny, but some, some interesting responses. So it's, what's the biggest regret in your career? And I'll let you answer it. And then I'll tell you the way some people have been answering it lately. Doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, that was that was apparently else. the funniest thing she's heard the entire hour we've been talking. <laughs> oh man, um, she's okay. like awkward. Biggest, Can that be my answer? <laughs> <laughs> biggest, uh, biggest regret in my career besides being on this podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, that's the deepest answer that, we've heard yet. I, <laughs> let's see. Um, okay, we you asked for you asked for deep. I'm gonna I'm gonna get real hey, philosophical. The last, que- the last question you went back a full 24 hours, so <laughs> this one could be like um, 12. This isn't like a specific instance, but I think that like every time I've done something new, so like I'm a freshman in college, or like I'm new to the workforce, or like I just start teaching. I yeah. don't come in with a lot of confidence, right? And like, oh, okay. And I think like generally I'm a confident person, but like, you know, it's it's that inner voice that's telling mm-hmm. you, like, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing. And yeah. then, you know, it's like, I remember being a freshman and then suddenly I got to senior year in college and I'm like, 
I knew stuff when I was a freshman. You know, <laughs> I could have said stuff in these classes. Like, why yeah. didn't I just like come in thinking I, you know, knowing that I could, that you know, I could do it? And I think that that's like rang true every new transition. It's like you know, there's this period where you're doubting yourself, doubting yourself, and I think it's natural. But like, I looking forward, it's something I try to remind myself. Like, think back to those moments in the beginning of whatever I was working on, where I didn't think I knew what I was doing. I'm like, yeah. wait, no, you do do know what you're doing. Right. Um, right. So that's not a very juicy regret. Oh man. Hmm. But no, but honestly, I mean, it's, it's good. It's good because, like you said, you, you, you've, and not don't take this the wrong way. You've jumped from one thing to another, yeah, quite yeah. a bit to the point where you might sit there and say, "I didn't have enough time to become an expert in the last thing I did, right. and now I'm starting something new." Right, and that kind of builds into it and goes, "What the fuck are you doing?" And and you kind of have that 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 scared feeling that is a little bit heavier than your confidence. So that's not, yeah, that's not dumb at all. Um, <laughs> and it's it's true. I mean. I I had I still have the same regard with this podcast. I mean, when I started this, I had, we had no clue what we were doing. Right, you know, right. I, I hit up Stevie and I said, "Dude, can I come to your apartment and bring a bunch of mics and we'll just we'll have my friends over for two days uh-huh. straight and come over and hang out." And and we uh-huh. just started doing it. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, just got to do it. Exactly. You know, I don't. I can't think how many times we've said that on each episode. Just got to oh, yeah. do it. Just do it. Just got to <laughs> do it. <laughs> And it's true. I mean, I'm still I'm still taking some big risks even this year in regards to the show and things I'm going to try and do. And it's fucking scary. You know, uh, it's not just me anymore. It's me and my girlfriend and two kids. So it's it's uh, but again, it's it's that same aspect of what's the worst can happen. Eh, I just fall on my face a little bit and then I figure out I'll learn from that instance and keep going. Yeah. So w- what a lot of people have said when I say, what's your biggest regret? Yeah. They immediately smack me on the nose with the newspaper and go, I don't have regrets. And I'm like, oh, shit. And they're like, <laughs> I have learning experiences. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, but there, you know that's bullshit. Cause but it's there's, not. It, dude, it's it, not. If you think about it. It might not be now, but there at a time they might have thought it was a regret. So there's that like there's that curve there's that transition. I bet at one time it was, but it takes a while to realize what those yeah. regrets turn into. Of right. course, so, that's, right. that's so, hindsight's so, twenty twenty. The bullshit, you know? but kind of maybe not a little bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you, remember, you think about it, you you think it's regret, and then you get to the next point, and you sit there and say, well, no matter what, if that had not happened, I wouldn't be here where I am today. When things maybe get better. You know, so it's exactly. kind of like, yeah. So in the, in a sense, there is no regret. It's like you say, you're going through a traumatic experience and then out of that comes some silver lining, right? You'll sit there and say, well, without that, I wouldn't have gotten here. So you know what? If I could do it all over again, I would do the same exact thing. As, yeah. as shitty as those shitty times were, I'd, I'd go through them all over again because that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so... All right, that's as deep as we're gonna get. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what, what, yeah. what you bringing at me next? <laughs> <laughs> but listen, uh, Allison, it's it's we're we're coming up on an hour, um, so unlike your show, we 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 cut it off an hour. 
<laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, Al- Allison's like, I could have done like 40 shows by now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Allison's like, Come I got guys. enough material for the next five months, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but lastly, who's someone that you'd like to hear us talk to on the show? And I just realized now, forget the second follow up to that question I put in there. Yeah. Um, all right. So I heard there's this great podcast called She Does, and it interviews um, mostly cre- creatives, like kind of similar to your show, but it's all um, women. And there's this woman, her name's um, Molly Crabapple, and she just <laughs> came out with, and she just came out with a memoir. And I heard her speak on this podcast, and I, I bought her book, and I'm really excited to read it. She's like a really badass woman, like has done a lot of reporting for Vice, did some reporting in Guantanamo Bay, is an amazing oh. artist and just um yeah, so Yeah, I know the name. I'm I'm not familiar with specific work, but I know I've seen some of it. So I mean Stevie, I don't know about you, but I think I'd remember the name Crabapple if I read it somewhere. You're probably thinking of the Simpsons t- uh teacher. <laughs> Mrs. Crabapple. Yeah. (laughs) But no, no, I've I've heard that because when you said Vice, something kind of rang familiar. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I don't know specifics, but I know I've heard it before. We'll have to to look into it regardless. Yeah, for sure. She's something she'd be great to be on. And even even the other, the host of uh, She Does, maybe that would be an interesting person. Yeah. Do you know her name? Um, Yes. Um, Sarah. Her name's Sarah. Right. So does she have... um, does she have a last name? Yeah, it's Sarah Ginsburg. <laughs> <laughs> With an H? No H? Um, Ginsburg. I don't think there's an H. No. Okay. Ginsburg. All right. We we could Google it, like you said, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, but all right. Listen, so that's awesome. I think we definitely could could follow up with them. And they seems like seems like they would be some really great, great guests to have on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, listen, Allison, thank you again for taking the time out today. Uh, we thoroughly enjoy your show. So, uh, yeah, who knows? Thanks. Maybe we'll be, we'll keep listening. We'll hear about the whole podcasting part of your journey. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. All right. Sounds good. All right. Take care. All right. Have a good one. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.